0: What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host Bob. I'm hanging out talking my hometown favorite Cleveland sports with my older brother Chris. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: Not much, man. Long time no see. Yeah. It's been crazy. It's been a couple of weeks.
0: No, it sure has. Uh, we we, You know, February is my least favorite month uh, of the year. So I went in hiding for two weeks uh, and nobody really saw me um, unless you're in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, man, I, I actually I did not see you because I'm not in Pittsburgh, but I did see a couple of really good movies during this uh, two week uh, vacation, if as we'll brand it. I saw Black Panther over the weekend. Fantastic. I also saw Three Billboards. Outside of Ebbing, Mississippi, it's Ebbing, Mississippi, right? Either way, it's a really good movie. Three billboards.
0: It is. I I like that one. Have not gone to Black Panther yet, but uh, I certainly plan to do so. Um, But Chris, um, you know, we've been gone for a minute, so we certainly have some things to discuss. Uh, But believe it or not, uh, we're, we're almost at the end of February already which means that March Madness is right around the corner and the tune-up for March Madness, the conference tournaments are set to, 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 to start. And the big turn, big 10 tournament is underway at the end of this week. Chris, uh, Ohio state has had a, uh, a surprisingly successful, very successful season so far heading into the big 10 tournament, uh, as the number two seed. Um, what, 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 uh, is the outlook for them heading into this tournament.
1: I'd say overall positive. I think the concern, though, is that of late they've struggled a bit, uh, losing two of their last four and needing uh, overtime to beat Indiana. Not just overtime, but a a miracle kind of three-point shot uh, at the buzzer to dispatch Indiana on the road. And Indiana, by name, is generally a good school but this year, they're kind of in a bit of a retooling mode. So when you, when you look at their last four games, uh, they're, they're, they're probably not playing their best basketball right now. Uh, bad loss to Michigan, a really bad loss to Penn State, um, sandwiched between a, a very convincing win over an awful Rutgers team. So obviously a little concerning because I think Ohio State kind of peaked in the middle of the big 10 season when they only had like one loss and then they lost two, lost their chance to win the regular season title, Michigan state bringing home the hardware, even though Ohio state beat them head to head. Uh, So, so a little, a little concerning for the Buckeyes, but overall they're still the number two seed. So I would expect them to at least win one game. And then probably after that, all bets are off because they're going to have to beat Purdue and or Michigan state in the final uh, so so that's going to be tough, no matter how how good you're playing. Those are very good teams to beat, but I, I think realistically, you, you would you would think the big the Buckeyes have a good shot at getting to the final and probably winning it all. But but it's concerning that they're not playing their best basketball heading into the tournament.
0: Yeah, for sure. It seems that they're uh, slowing down a little bit, losing some of the swagger they had in the middle of the season with those big wins against. Uh, still top 10 teams Michigan State and and Purdue so that's uh, one reason to have hope is that Ohio State has proven uh, against the the cream of the the Big Ten competition that they can they they can certainly win Um, but the last half of February has been less than the than desirable the good news is uh, you know this is kind of a brutal schedule for Ohio State um, a lot of games in, in, in a short amount of time uh, in the new year Good news is they've they they concluded their season last friday uh, And they they won't start the tournament until this friday. So a week off to kind of get their legs back under them uh, and, and hopefully uh, Find their their mid-season form again heading into this tournament. So I think it's po- positive positive uh, and, and optimistic I think ohio state can certainly uh, win this thing and, and and take it home, uh, but they'll they'll have to find their form uh, of you know mid January form uh, as opposed to the way they've been playing the past couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, you mentioned a brutal schedule. That is a good point. Their their last four games came in a span of eight days. That's an average of every other day, and three of them on the road at Penn State, at Michigan, at Indiana. And it's never easy to win on the road in conference. So the three games that I mentioned, the two losses and the and the overtime win against Indiana. You know, yeah, concerning, but but you bring up a good point about the schedule. Four games, eight days, three of them on the road. That is a very tough finish to the season. So, that could have played a part in it, and, and hopefully the week-long break by getting that double bye to the quarterfinals, which is so critical in these conference tournaments because it's so hard to win four games in a row, much less five. Two teams, there are two sets of teams that will have to do just that. Probably not going to win at all. But, uh so so for, for Ohio State to get that double bye to the quarterfinals to have a week off, uh, that definitely plays in their favor as well.
0: Yeah, it's just overall kind of a, a tighter schedule and we're gonna get into that in a second, but you know, to add to those stats, uh Ohio State played six games this year with uh one day rest or or less. Um so um certainly has been brutal and, and that's good news if that is the reason for them faltering a little bit. But Chris, um, the conference tournament this year, uh, a couple notable things about it. First off, it's not in a typical Big Ten state, or it's not in a Big Ten state. It's being played in New York City, Madison Square Garden, and it's because of that, it has been scheduled a week earlier than normal. So the Big Ten conference tournament uh, is happening a, a week earlier than just about any other big uh, conference tournament uh, this season. Uh, d- do you agree with, with the, the move uh, to, to Madison Square Garden? Uh, and, 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 and yeah, well, do, do, you, do you agree with that move?
1: This move has dumb written all over it. And th- th- moves like this is why I hate college sports, the business of college sports. Why is the Big Ten tournament a Midwestern tournament being played in New York City? It just, it makes zero sense. The Big Ten tournament is one of the power conferences. The power conferences always are the last tournaments to wrap up. The Big Ten always had the last championship game on Sunday. It was the Big Ten championship, and then you go right into the bracket. That was cool. That, that That's a demonstration that you're a big-time conference. Now the Big Ten is going to be done, and nobody's going to be talking about the Big Ten for a week. While every other conference tournament's going on, and there are big signature moments going on, the Big Ten's going to be on the sidelines, waiting and watching, and and I I do think that that might play into some at-large decisions. That that the momentum of the hot hand riding into Sunday might you know push some of these fun Big Ten quarterfinal games to the back burner. I think this is a disaster of a decision. I, I think that. The Big Ten tournament has no business being played in New York City. Play it in Indianapolis, Chicago, heck, Detroit or Cleveland. Something, be play it in a Big Ten city where your fans are, where your people are. There is no reason to play this game in New York. I I, I think I, I hate it. I hate this decision, and I'm I'm really disappointed in the conference for honestly doing their fans a disservice.
0: Yeah, I it, it's puzzling to me. Um, first. So I, I understand the 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 lull, the the allure of playing at Madison Square Garden. It's regarded a, a, as the the place to, to showcase basketball. It's in the most populous city. It's uh, it would garner more attention for, for Big Ten. It, it's a business move. It's a recruiting move. I, I understand all of that, but they capitulated so much to to set this up, moving their tournament up an entire week, as you said. Uh, that that is a stretch to me. I mean, there there are other hubs that that you could play it, and you alluded to some of them. I think Chicago uh, is one where they have played it in the past, and, and would be perfect for it. It's it's the B- Big Ten is Midwestern college sports, and Chicago is uh, the hub uh, of the Midwest. So why not play it there? Um, so it's it's weird that they so desperately wanted to play at MSG that they were okay with, with moving up. The tournament, and it's not like uh, they they didn't foresee the consequences. One of playing a a a, a together schedule that we already talked about, where I'm sure Ohio State is not is not the only Big Ten team that has felt that law and has um, faded in, in the second half of the season. Uh, and two, I mean, you, you have a week long break now, uh, and, and Ohio State could could be looking at almost a, a two week break. Into the uh, NCAA tournament, so to go from playing virtually every other night in, in the regular season to uh, a one-week break and then a two-week break of playing just two games of maybe just two games of basketball uh, in, in a three-week stretch—that's um, that's very jarring, um, and it seems very—it just doesn't seem well thought out to me. I, I understand why you want to play Madison Square Garden, but it. it didn't seem like it, it would be able to work out this year uh, why not do it next year when it was more convenient or or when the schedule worked out um to do it in such a unwisely planned way uh r- really looks bad on the big 10
1: yeah, well, the good news for Big Ten fans is the Big Ten tournament will return to United Center in Chicago for 2019 and 21, sandwiched between a couple of dates in Indianapolis in 2020 and 2022. Those two cities have traditionally held this tournament. They've kind of rotated between the two for a very long time. This Madison Square Garden thing is just... is It's not a good idea. I, I don't think it's a good idea. Now, now, granted, say the Big Ten benefits from the extra rest and makes a strong run in the NCAA tournament. Maybe that will, you know, be an a, a good byproduct of a bad decision. But I think overall it's still a bad decision and I don't think that the Big 10 should have moved the earth to get a Midwestern tournament into a New York City venue where New York is not on the Big 10 footprint. Rutgers is in New Jersey. It's not it is not a New York school. You know, maybe I mean, Rutgers if, is
0: the ugly cousin of the Big Ten as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So let's not move the earth for the team. Nobody in the Big Ten fan wise once in the Big Ten. Like maybe if Syracuse were in the Big Ten, even though Syracuse is not like in New York, they're still consider more. They're definitely more New York than Rutgers, and certainly have a better draw in Madison Square Garden than Rutgers. So. I would say that, that that would make a little more sense. But Syracuse isn't in the Big Ten. You don't have a New York presence. Why are we making these dumb, these business decisions that just just don't think about any of the fans? This this is a tournament that needs to be played in the Midwest.
0: Yeah, agreed. Well, Chris, who is your, your pick to, to win this tournament?
1: I would love it if Ohio State won. I don't think they will. I I I think I I don't want to pick all chalk, but I I, I'm going to go Purdue. I think Purdue is going to catch fire and do it. Um, Bob, you look at the brackets. There could be some fun matchups. You got both Michigan teams could meet in the semifinals. You could have a Michigan State Maryland quarterfinal. You could have an Indiana Purdue quarterfinal, big rivalry. And Ohio State got really unlucky because Penn State is the team that has owned them this year. 2-0 Two and zero against the Buckeyes, and two pretty solid wins against the Buckeyes. They are their likely first round game because Penn State versus Northwestern. That's not a given. Penn State will win it, but if Penn State wins that game, they their favorite as the seven seed. That's like the worst possible team for Ohio State to face in the quarterfinals, given their regular season history against them. So, so it could be a very it's going to be a very entertaining and intriguing tournament. I'm just mad that it's
0: in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Well, I was going to pick Purdue, but for the sake of being different, uh, I'll I'll go with Ohio state. I think that they will benefit from the rest. Uh, They showed that they can be the best of of the conference this year and beat the the best of the conference uh, with those two upsets against Michigan state and Purdue. I I like Bates Diop in a tournament. Uh, I I think they can do it. So I I, I, I'm picking them. Yeah. Unfortunately, I won't be able to watch a potential Ohio
1: state Purdue game because I'm not going to assume it's going to happen, but, uh, Uh, unfortunate i'm i'm covering a big wrestling tournament for high school wrestling we're at the district level on saturday so i'm going to miss most of the big 10 tournament until the final but um it's an exciting time if you're a wrestling fan in ohio big weekend for high school wrestling
0: Hmm. let me real quick uh chris holtman any doubt that he would be a house or big 10 coach of the year
1: no I I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that he's coach of the year I mean Ohio State was a program that had been declining every year for the last two or three years under Thad Mata and and Holtman's come in and out of nowhere had them right there for the Big Ten title yeah no doubt he's going to be coach of the year
0: yeah I don't think there's much to talk about with that I I think it's for sure he, he he will win that
1: the only question is whether or not the FBI will be knocking on Ohio state's door too. Cause they're just picking off every big time college basketball program the last couple of months. So not that we have any information there. I'm just making a joke, obviously.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> good news is, you know, Holtman is less than a year on the job. So there's probably not as much dirt, but who knows, who knows? Who knows? Um, Oh, well, Chris, uh, we, we have a lot to cover in, in the news with we two weeks, uh, off, uh, and probably the biggest event that happened uh, during our time away was the NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, Team LeBron beating Team Stephan, uh 148 to 145. Chris, did you get a chance to watch this and what's your takeaway from it?
1: Uh, no, not really. I did not watch much of the all-star game i heard it was actually more competitive than in years past now when you're averaging about 400 points a game in years past i guess anything's more competitive but it's always good to see team lebron lebron james cleveland represented uh by beating team steph so uh definitely the new format helped balance things out because uh you know, it, it was a while there where the West All-Stars were just so much better than the East. So, at least they're mixing things up and, and the game's a little more competitive. Uh, so, I thought that was a fun element to it. And um, always good to see LeBron come on, on top against Steph. I mean, come on, man. It's a big rivalry. You got to You got it to your team, LeBron, if you're in Cleveland.
0: Yeah. So, so 148 to 145 actually that's not like beyond the realm of possibility of, of some of the scores that have happened this regular season. It, it's a little high, you know, it's maybe 15 points higher than, than some of the high, the shootouts uh, of this season, but compared to last year's 192 to 182 victory of the Western conference all-stars, uh, it, it, it looks like they played an actual competitive basketball game. Um, I, I had it on the background and I tuned in, uh, I paid attention more as the game went on. Um, it seemed to start off like your, your regular all-star game, not a lot of defense some trick plays, uh, you know, flashy passes and whatnot, but we, we got about a quarter and a half of competitive basketball from midway through the third quarter to the closeout. Uh, they were, they were trying, they were playing defense. They were arguing calls with refs. Um, it was exciting and it was really fun to see. I mean, uh, uh, LeBron and Kevin Durant trapping Joel Joel Embiid in in the corner uh, late in the game it it was just exciting to watch Um, so I think the format uh, giving the players ownership of the team uh, letting them kind of build out rosters based off of friendships and rivalries uh, gave it the spark that it needed and it made the all-star game fun again
1: yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think of all the All Star games, this is the one where kind of a pick 'em works the best because basketball is a pickup game. It's a fun game. You know, I I, I like the AL NL, or I, I nobody likes the Pro Bowl, but in basketball, I feel like the team captain format has the most um the most juice to it because. Let's just be real, about Nobody cares about the divisions or, or anything in the NBA. I mean, the conferences people care about. But I think there's a big push to really do away with a lot of that and just kind of take the best teams. And, and so in the All-Star game, I don't think there's as much of a loyalty towards East versus West. I, I think this is it, 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 it's, it's going to be more fun to see this kind of pickup style uh, going forward. I hope this format is here to stay.
0: Yeah, me too. I hope they televise the draft cuz I think that would be really oh, fun to see.
1: That would be awesome, but I don't know if the egos will will be able to take it. I mean, we it, it got out
0: eventually. It did. But
1: That um, would be fun, man. That, that then you'd have some drama there. I don't know if the players would want that because I I just think the team captains picking it don't want the headaches that would come with that.
0: I get it, but dude, you're they're all stars. It's not like you're the worst. You're the worst of the best. That's I, okay.
1: I know, but, man, you guys get bruised very easily, man. Yeah.
0: You're right. It it would
1: be fun, but I I could see why the captains wouldn't want that.
0: Yeah. I I did like Team LeBron's starting five of LeBron and Kyrie, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant. It was like the... (laughs) I didn't realize it until they were on the court altogether that like that, that was his four of his starting five. And it's like the, the buddies that have broken up reunited.
1: That is pretty funny. I wonder if LeBron intentionally did that to try to, you know, mend some, mend some broken bridges or tear down some fences or whatnot. I'm mixing oh. a lot of metaphors there. I think I got them right though.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it worked out. They won. Um, <laughs> Moving on to some of the events uh, during All-Star Weekend, um, Cleveland had a participant. Uh, It's been a a few years since Kyrie Irving uh, participated and and won the three-point shootout. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., newly acquired uh, Cavalier from Los Angeles Lakers, participated in the dunk contest and finished second to Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Chris, do you agree with that decision? Do you think Larry Nance Jr. should have won?
1: Well, a couple things. First off, I have no problem tipping the cap to dunks uh, 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 that have come before. And Larry Nances was sweet. He came out in his dad's uniform and he did his dad's dunk that won the contest first. And that's the key there. He did it first. His first dunk. He saved an innovative dunk for last. I mean, he dribbled the the ball off the backboard twice, Bob. That was sweet. That is a high level dunk and honestly I think that dunk should have won him the contest and and the other guy Dennis Smith Jr. had another really kind of innovative dunk as his um, his second preliminary round dunk. Donovan Mitchell just did a bunch of other people's dunks. That's all he did. He didn't bring anything new to the table. He, he did everyone else's dunks. He wore their uniform and he did a bunch of other people's dunks. I'm sorry man. This is the problem I have with the dunk contest. Every dunk's a 10. Nobody judges anything. And that's why the guy won. Because Larry Nance went first in the final. And one guy gave him a 9 because they weren't sure. And then every other dunk's a 10. Like, they, they, like, to me, he didn't bring anything original to the table. He just did a bunch of other people's dunks. And, by the way, I just saw, he was an injury replacement for Aaron Gordon. So, he, he was he shouldn't have even been in the contest. He ends up winning it. But to to tell you the truth, man, look, I'm not saying what he did wasn't impressive because those are hard dunks to do, but I would give the nod to the guy who actually did something a little bit original, and I think Larry Nance Jr. should have won.
0: Yeah, I do too. Um, One thing, yeah, I I watched it live, and nobody really appreciated what Larry Nance did with with that final two-tap dunk uh, the first time around. It was only after replay that you fully appreciated, Wow, he, he threw it to himself twice off the backboard and still slammed it home. That That's, I've never seen it done, so that's really creative. But uh, when you watched it live, it looked like he just threw it to himself, caught it, and dunked it. Um, you didn't see that second tap. So um, I understand why it, it didn't have the excitement factor to it. That's not to say, you know, judges should be able to review dunks on replay but let's get to the, the the main problem that i have with the slam dunk contest it's that uh we the evaluators of these dunks are as follows chris rock mark Wahlberg, <laughs> dj khaled and then two legitimate evaluators julius irving dr j um and, and lisa leslie you know one of the greatest WNBA players of all time so you know three out of five Completely unqualified to to appreciate anything that's going on on the court, you know. If we're if we want a serious slam dunk contest, get some previous winners on that panel. Get guys, people that you know study the sport, and know the sport in and out, and, and can appreciate the the skill, the theatrics uh, of of these dunks. Uh, I, I don't care that DJ Khaled is up there evaluating these these dunks, and it, it means nothing. Uh, if three-fifths of of the judges' scores are coming from celebrities and not actually informed people uh, evaluating these dunks.
1: And let's just be real, man. Dr. J was handing out tens like they were Christmas cards, though. Like, even even the the quote-unquote professional evaluators were just handing out tens. DJ Khaled, I give credit, he was actually critical a couple times. I'm not saying he was a great judge, but I'm just saying he was actually critical a couple times. We need to get Shaq back. Shaq was my favorite NBA dunk contest judge because he actually, like, just didn't hand out 10s. He actually said that, you know, look, man, if you don't hit your dunk on your first try, it can't be a 10. And I'm like, you know what? I actually kind of agree with that. Like, if you can't hit it on your first try, it's not perfect. And and I'm like, okay, here's a guy who's actually bringing an evaluator's mentality to the table. Too often we've got these just five guys who just show up and just hit 10 at everything – and kind of randomly decide who wins. And I will say, Bob, Laird Nance's second dunk did receive a perfect score. The one, the double tap dunk, it was his first dunk of the final that was dinged, I think, two points. He only got a 48 on that one.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree. And, and, you know, it's it's entertainment, it's show, it's not, you know, that same night you could have flipped the channel to NBC and watched, you know, professional judges judge Olympic events and there's a rubric and there's a technique score and a and an artistic score and whatnot these these it's the slam dunk contest is for fun and and that's why there are celebrity judges on there but for me somebody that that follows the sport and and loves can can appreciate a a number of slam dunks uh off the top of my head um i would like to see a little bit more rigorous judging from the judges panel
1: so dad and i got into a debate uh during the dunk contest i'm gonna put you on the spot here bob vince carter's dunk you know which one i'm talking about the big one the one that donovan mitchell emulated
0: 360 yep
1: yeah. or jordan's free throw line dunk which one's the best
0: see uh that it's not much of a con uh debate for me because i don't think jordan should have won that slam dunk contest i i thought dominique wilkins should should have won that contest um and i've watched all of their dunks that year so i'm going with vince uh, i i think that is easily probably the the best slam dunk performance uh i've ever watched
1: you let me down bro you're, you're <laughs> in dad's corner thanks he's, he's gonna <laughs> listen to this he's gonna text me man but in if if dad is listening to this the record will show i just i just asked the question i didn't tell him anything so that was an honest answer
0: (laughs) no i uh i I thought a lot about that we in in college we had a poster of like all the slam dunk contest winners from like the late 80s to the late 90s and so we like look we watched them all for like we spent a night evaluating all the winners and obviously that that uh dunk contest between Wilkins and Jordan and uh the little guy was there too. I, I forget his name. Yeah. Uh obviously it was the the best one to watch ever, but um I think Vince Carter's dunks that night were was the best performance I, I've seen in a dunk contest.
1: A lot of people forget Andre Iguodala was one heck of a dunker too. I, I feel like his name gets gets kind of lost in time a little bit, but he had he had some pretty sweet dunks.
0: Yeah. For sure. All right. Uh. Well, Larry Nance Jr. Uh. One of four new additions that have uh, played a few games since our last recording in Cavaliers uniforms. Uh. And they have started to to make their mark with a three and two record, some big wins uh, over Boston and Oklahoma City, followed by some some uh, letdowns uh, against Washington, and San Antonio, and then an obvious winner against Memphis. So, Chris, what's your takeaway from the New Look Cavs uh, five games in?
1: Five games in, the New Look Cavs look a lot better than the Old Look Cavs. That's all I got to say right now. I mean, I think everyone, anyone who's watched this new Cavs team play has seen a night and day transformation on the court. Um, You can say whatever you want about the sort of superstar model on paper. It was not working. And that Boston game was a breath of fresh air, followed by a strong performance against the Thunder on the road, facing a team that dropped 144 on you in your place not too long ago. Complete 180. They still gave up 112, but they won the game. Um, Bottom line, Bob, this team looks like it's re-energized, refocused. It's deeper. It's more athletic, more versatile. I know they lost to the Spurs. And I know that kind of had a bad loss to the Wizards, but those are good teams, man. I mean, and it's not like they weren't competitive in those games. Maybe the Spurs one got a little out of hand later, but they, they, they still looked like they could have won it had they, you know, buckled down here or there. The old Cavs would have gotten run out of the gym by both those teams, Bob. It would have been like 140 to 90 or something like that, so... So the fact that the these Cavs have a gone two and two against quality teams that they're probably going to see in the playoffs, and, and took care of business on the road against a Grizzlies team that they should be beating by about forty points, and they've won about by thirty, uh, it, it's it's a lot more refreshing because I think the old Cavs would have struggled to even go you know one and four against these teams.
0: Yeah, so you know win loss record aside, you if if you watched. A game before the trade deadline and and then watch the Cavs after the trade deadline it's night and day they're they're excited to play basketball again they're faster they're yeah. longer they're getting steals they're making blocks which uh I don't think I I think I've watched many Cavs games this year where the Cavs didn't either in a game if it, if it wasn't LeBron James but Jordan Clarkson, George Hill are playing passing lanes. Uh, Larry Ness Jr. is you know, making his, his, his presence felt uh, in a, a number of ways, including blocking shots. So um, it's a night and day difference. And, and for the first test to be against Boston, which is a top five defensive team, and for the Cavs with really no time to know each other, really impose their will against a healthy Boston team uh, offensively, uh, was refreshing to see and then to play against a, a top 10 offensive team in oklahoma city the the, the next game uh and, and to hang with them and, and at least uh, limit them a little bit down the stretch uh, in, in their offensive output and, and and come out on top in that game uh was another great sign so you know you, you the, Clarkson and Hood with, with their offense has been felt in, in some games and Nansen and Hill it, uh, Their defensive presence ha- has been felt in others. I, I think they had nine blocks against the Grizzlies um, so it, it, All the reasons you got these guys uh, Their their athleticism and length and defensive abilities ha- has shown through and all the reasons you got rid of the six players that you moved, uh, with a couple exceptions, uh, has also shown through, uh, they're, they're faster, uh, they're, there seems to be just a joy of playing together. Um, and, and that's really refreshing. So I, I'm really satisfied with these moves and these additions so far.
1: And another classy storyline by the Cavs to give Larry Dance Jr. a legacy exception to where his father's number, still hanging in the rafters. They didn't take the banner down. Don't worry. But Larry Nance Jr. going forward will wear the number 22. And even classier to allow fans who purchased Larry Nance Jr.'s original number to exchange that jersey for a number 22 free of charge. Very cool by the Cavs to let Larry Nance Jr. wear his father's number.
0: Yeah, and I've, I would hope that it's Larry Nance Sr. that's allowing his son to do so as well. Um, But it's cool. It's really cool that he's back. uh, Not back, but that uh, his son is in a Cavs uniform playing for for us. And it's pretty cool to see that he's wearing uh, his dad's number.
1: Kind of cool, too, that Larry Nance Sr. helped out on the dunk contest as well. You you knew that was going to happen when he was in the crowd, though.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was cool cool to see him uh, out and about, for sure. Well, Chris... um, pitchers and catchers spring training is going on uh in major league baseball there are still a number of unsigned free agents that the indians have not really been active in giving any of those guys jobs but they have signed uh, a couple veteran pitchers and carlos torres and alexi Ogando. what are your thoughts on on bringing in some bargain bin veteran pitchers uh, like those two
1: these are, this is the Indians' M.O., man. I mean, they, they always kind of scrape the barrel, find those bargains. Alexi Ogando, not too long ago, was one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. I mean, he wasn't elite, but he had strong numbers. He could anchor your rotation or be a nice middle-of-the-bullpen guy. So if Ogando can bounce back, that could be a steal. And, and, and Torres, again, I mean, another just kind of solid bullpen arm. So I, I think both of these guys could help. If again they can kind of you know find some of their old form, that, that's that's why they're bargains. You know they come with a little bit of baggage, um, but you know we we've seen the uh, we've seen the Indians uh, you know strike gold on these. Uh, none bigger than Rajay Davis a few years back, who Bob is also back with the Tribe on a minor league deal. So um, you know yeah I I, I think I, I love the signings and and I I'm hopeful that. One of them will pan out. Uh, like I said, Ogando is one of my favorite pitchers. Always underrated, and and if he can return to that kind of form, I think he'll be a, a huge asset for the tribe.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're shelling out huge dollars to these guys. They're they're minor league invitations. So if it sticks, it sticks. If not, uh, they still have enough guys to to have a successful season. Um, uh, Ogando is pretty far removed from his All Star season in 2011 um, w- with the Rangers hasn't really done much in years past, but Carlos Torres in, in just back in 2016 had a, had a really fine season as a reliever. So th- there's something there for, for maybe in, in one of them. Um, but again, it, it's a low risk, uh, probably low reward move to to bring in both these guys. I, I like the addition of Davis uh, if not for anything, but uh, you have a, a base dealer that probably is still the best base dealer one of the best base dealers in in all of the MLB. So good to see him back. But, uh, these pitching moves, nothing, nothing to write home about, but, um, you know, they, they could strike light in a bottle. They have done so in the past. Uh, they've also, these moves have, have not worked out in the past. So, um, we'll just have to see.
1: Melvin Upton Jr. Also getting a, a minor league deal with the Indians. So, uh, Indians, man, you know, bringing back some names from the past. But, hey, if two of these four guys work out, it's it's a steal. And that that's what I love about these kind of bargain signings is that it's only upside. You know, there is absolutely no risk to bringing these guys in.
0: All right. And lastly, Chris, uh, the NFL combine is set to start uh, this weekend. And the Browns, obviously, owners of a... Horde of draft picks including the number one pick and the number four pick in the first round and uh two top second round picks as well um chris if you're the browns gm what what are you looking for at the combine
1: i imagine a lot of quarterback evaluations going to be going on here bob uh, i'm you know going out on a limb on that one but uh i would imagine they're going to be kicking the tires on pretty much every big name quarterback that that's at this draft and 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 i i'm absent signing kurt cousins i'm convinced that they're going to draft one with one or four um and who could blame them they're 0-16 the quarterback's been a an enigma wrapped in a riddle for this franchise forever so um i would certainly expect them to really dive in on the quarterbacks and and get to know all of them as they should um but but but, yeah as you mentioned they got a ton of draft picks so they've got a lot of work cut out for them because they're going to be making a lot of picks in this draft and, uh, you know, they're, they're, every year there, there's a lot of good players available. But I would think quarterback is going to be very high on their list.
0: Yeah, obviously quarterback is the priority. It is always the Browns' priority every offseason to figure that out. So uh, they better spend the combine. Uh, first off, just are any of these quarterbacks worth – those two top picks and if so which one uh, is worth it and can we get it him at four instead of one those are questions that uh, need to be answered for for the quarterback position during the combine Uh, and with those two top four picks uh, and with other quarterback needy teams uh, picking right after them at two in the Giants uh, the Browns could have they could walk away with the best quarterback and the best defensive prospect. And so not only do you need to look at the quarterback, but you need to look at you know, who who is who's the best player uh, at this combine. And oftentimes that's not the quarterback position. Uh, you need to answer that and identify how you can walk away with both those guys.
1: Absolutely. I, I think their goal should be get the best quarterback in this draft, absent signing Kirk Cousins. And then just get the best playmaker in this draft, be it offense or defense. Um, and if you go out and sign a big guy like Kirk Cousins, then the goal is get the two biggest playmakers in this draft, offense, defense, whatever, and bolster everything up. I mean, I think that it's uh, it sounds simple, but but based on the Browns track record, it's obviously a very hard thing to do. Hopefully this new regime will uh, will change that. This will be the at least 10th time we've said that since 1999, <laughs> but hopefully one of these times sooner or later odds are someone's going to get it right. I mean, it's statistically one of these days they will get it right.
0: Hopefully yeah.
1: this is the one.
0: Yeah. You have to think that this is, you know, it's about time, but, um, I don't know, man, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it is what it comes down to. But, uh, that's uh, that's up to John Dorsey and, and his staff to 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 finally prove me wrong, and uh, hopefully that it starts at this combine.
1: Bob, how many times have we said, wow, I really like the GM, I really like the hire? I mean, I feel like everyone they bring in, it's like, man, you know, they, they did their homework, and John Dorsey's no exception, but there's just some bad mojo going on in that building. I don't know, man. I thought Phil Savage was the answer. I thought the savage crenell combo, it's like, okay, we got – Ozzie Newsom's GM apprentice and Bill Belichick's coaching apprentice. And with their power combined, this is going to change. And for one year it did at 10 and six and it just all fell apart.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they uh, got as close as anybody's gotten in this regime and closer than a lot of regimes have. So you're onto something. I do feel good about this management group, but um as I have acted for for just about everyone since Phil Savage, it's basically been can I'll believe it when I see it. And you have to prove your worth before I uh completely sign off on, on what you're doing.
1: Oh yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um but i I I like Dorsey's track record of uh, all the stuff he did in Kansas City, uh very strong. That team is still benefiting from a lot of his hard work he he underwent a a dramatic turnaround there too. They were picking number one overall when he took over and went out, got Alex Smith, made some good draft picks, and and got them right back on. You know, hired Andy Reid. So so that that was a quick turnaround there. Now I'm not expecting that to happen here because you know I think the Chiefs still ha- at two and fourteen had a little bit better foundation than the Browns do at zero and sixteen now. But there are a lot of young talent here, and 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 if and if Dorsey can keep building it up. Use the cap space wisely, and and hopefully the development will occur. So all you can do is hope, man.
0: That's certainly true.
1: Well, we will have to wait a few more months to see what the Browns are going to do in the draft, but uh, we won't have to wait too long to see who will win the Big Ten tournament. In fact, that starts this week. So hopefully you guys will be able to watch a lot of it. I unfortunately won't be able to watch a ton of it, but uh, enjoy Go Buckeyes, and next week we will have more Cleveland Sports Talk for you here on Clee Talk, presented by FinleyRoadSports.com. You can catch up on all our oral episodes at FinleyRoadSports.com. You can uh, subscribe to our podcast via iTunes by clicking the icon in the upper right-hand corner of FinleyRoadSports.com, or you can go to iTunes. Search for Fenley Road Sports and click Clee Talk. It's just that simple. We thank you for your support. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fenley Road Sports. And come back next week for another episode of Clee Talk, presented by Fenley Road Sports. We promise we're not taking next week off. We will be back. Thank you for bearing with us for all our travel in February. We'll be back just in time for March Madness to see how the Buckeyes do. But until then, go Buckeyes. Bring home the Big Ten. Hopefully, Bob's right.
0: All right, I'll see you, Chris.
1: Take it easy, Bob.